Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City. Well, welcome to the Wealth Psychology Hour on Sylvia Global Radio with Dr. Jamie Traeger-Muni and Emily Bouchard. We are diving into the heart of money and relationships and love today dedicating this show to loving relationships between uh, romantic partnerships, between parents and their children, uh, and we are all about serving our listeners today. And we're dedicating this show to UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization's World Radio Day that's happening tomorrow. Sylvia Global is partnering with UNESCO to get the word out about the power of radio in people's lives. And we certainly are experiencing that here on the Wealth Psychology Hour with people sending in and calling in their comments and questions from as far as Guam, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Canada, the U.S. And we are touching people's lives and supporting them in their love and their relationships all over the world because of the power of radio. Good morning, Jamie. Talk about all over the world. You're in Israel 10 hours ahead of me in California. Good morning. I am. It's that much closer to Valentine's Day, even though we don't necessarily celebrate Valentine's Day here. I'm still a big fan. And uh, <laughs> thinking about World Radio Day makes me think of all those like uh, romantic uh, uh, shows that I li- used to listen to as a kid on the radio with, you know, the the um, host with the bedroom eyes and the voice that just lulls you, all of those songs about... Uh, lost love, so uh, it really makes me think of those childhood days. Um, and oh, that's great. Yeah, We're that's, talking that's about true. great relationships today, not lost loves necessarily. Yeah, our goal is to really support all of our listeners in um, furthering their loving relationships, creating greater harmony, more intimacy, clearing away whatever keeps them from having that. And one of the biggest issues that gets in the way of relationships happens to be money and the inability to talk about it effectively, how our money archetypal patterns show up in the bedroom after we have a bad conversation that we don't like in the kitchen. And we want to make sure that our listeners get a lot of results. So we want to invite you to join us in the conversation. You can call in with your questions and comments at 347-215-6138. Again, 347 215 6138. You can also email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. You can post your questions on the Sylvia Global Facebook page or the Wealth Legacy Group Facebook page. And if you do not want your name said, we will not say it. We'd love to know where you're calling in from, but your anonymity really matters to us as well. So I wanted to take care of that. So let's dive in. Jamie, you know what? You know what I was thinking, oh. Emily. It's amazing. Before I started specializing in the emotional impact of money and wealth in people's lives, I was amazed, and I'm curious to hear your experience. When clients came in to work with me, I would hear so much about people's sex lives. You know, people were really uninhibited in the office to talk about it, and so much less about their financial life. You know, and their relationship, not. 
about the numbers and cents so much, but about their relationship to money and where um, money might be an obstacle in terms of um, those conversations that hadn't been had. And it was amazing, even in even now when, you know, people come in with the goal and really the external goal of working on their relationship to money, how much easier it is for people to talk about sex and love and much less easy to talk about their relationship with money. Do you find that, Emily? Yeah, you know, that's so interesting. And when I think about what you just said, what occurs to me is Dr. Ruth really set the standard for that. And people found out about her and the capacity to talk about sex on the radio. So here we are opening up this taboo around money in relationships, and they are totally interrelated. I mean, completely interrelated, and especially when there's lots at stake and there's, you know, big issues around money, that it, it definitely has an impact. And, you know, uh, we have people that we work with. I mean, I'm thinking about a couple I'm working with right now in Canada, and, you know, they love each other dearly. They have two uh daughters that are um, school age, they um, they benefited from the wife's family's success over the years. Um, and uh, with the passing of her mother recently, uh, they are really being impacted by a, a strong influx of money coming into their lives. And they're, they're working with me in terms of uh, how to really maximize this opportunity, make sure that their girls are really grounded in good values and good work ethic. And they're wanting to look at how their differences and how they relate to money are are starting to come up even more so. And one of the issues that came up recently is uh, he um, he 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 broached the question of wow, what's her intentions for this new money that's come into her life and that's going to benefit her and the daughters, and that he benefits from kind of in a, a you know a residual way because he's part of the life. But he wanted to know if there might be, if she was considering possibly giving him a gift. And it's such an extraordinary thing to to step in and ask somebody if they will be giving you a gift. Like right there, there's lots of things we can talk about. Um, and he was um, quite surprised and um, wanted to bring to our work the fact that it never occurred to her. And her response was that um, what, what she had a sense of what he would do with it would... Um, uh, not be what she would want to have happen with the money and not what she would think her family would want to have happen with the money. And it brought up a lot in terms of trust, in terms of different values, and um, it's so powerful that he has a safe and, and trusting place where he can bring forward this concern because the resentment, the um, hurt, the um, unexpressed emotions will wreak havoc in their marriage if they don't deal with it because the different money patterns that are there are just going to keep acting out. You know, the the sneaking, the the trying to hoard, the, the trying to, to get what he wants through different ways, all of those things would start to come out even more if he really felt like his desires, his values weren't being honored and understood. And she would certainly thought, and that would be more of the innocent and the, the fool and a little bit of the victim. And then her um, uh, more fear-based need of wanting to take, keep control would um, maybe have her tyrant come forward more, which would just help to keep setting up that dynamic even further. What do you, what do you see there, Jamie? Wow. So I get to play you a little bit and unpack. That was such a meaty statement on so many levels. Um, so I want to back up a little. First of all, I love what you said about Dr. Ruth. I want to go back to that for a minute because you and I have often talked about wanting to be the Dr. Ruths of the money conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you just invoked her. We don't necessarily, you know, want to look like her, but uh, I love I love that invocation of, you know, one of our heroines. So um, that's great. And we would love to be able to have as spicy and as, you know, uh, no holds barred conversation with um with our listeners about all the things that are that are going on in their mind about money and love um also i want to say in terms of this this client what strikes me um so remarkably is this idea about what a gift is and going back to our conversation from a couple weeks ago with uh Keith Whitaker and Susan Masenzio and you know it's interesting when we give 
gifts, oftentimes we don't put conditions on it. Um, and yet when we give the gift of money, there's very often conditions that go with it, you know, or um, sort of golden handcuffs. There's there's certain set of rules. So it's interesting that the idea of giving the gift would then also have um, some sense of what he should do with it or what he could do with it, as opposed to um, the openness to do whatever you want with it. Well, yeah, and especially when the gift has been given to you by your parents with their standards attached to it, and it's the transitioning of their values as well, and then it's about, wait, how much do I need to steward and hold true to what mattered to them, and what about my values and how I want to express it with this? And that's where the parent-child relationship comes in, and then it gets played out in the romantic relationship as well. And we want to know how this conversation is impacting you and your life and what you see here. And you can call us at 347-215-6138. And you can email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And also join us on Facebook at Sylvia Global page. Really well said. I'm also thinking. Whoops, sorry. No, go. So, so eager to jump in. I'm also thinking how powerful um, our work with genograms is with clients, where they really get to back up and see some of the stories attached in their family backgrounds to how money is supposed to be spent or allowed to be spent. Um, and that very often, you know, thinking of it from from her, from her perspective, potentially, you know, we're sort of making them up now, um, but the, the sense of that you need to steward the wealth in a certain way and it needs to be spent on certain things. Um, and that comes with family values and family stories. Um, and I, I certainly experienced that in my partnership with my husband that, you know, there's certain things that are okay to spend money on in my family and certain things maybe not as okay, you know. So, for example, going on a vacation where you have a great experience and you really learn about another culture is an okay place. You know, and there's no right or wrong. This is just cultural or, you know, familial. Um, whereas maybe buying a really flashy, expensive car, even my language about it, you could see my, my value judgment <laughs> yeah. isn't as okay. And, you know, maybe my husband grew up in a family where having a, you know, a really comfortable car that you love um, and is really reliable is much more valued. Um, so, again, being able to unpack those stories, I often say, um, it's like an artichoke. People sometimes say it's like peeling back the onion, but I don't like an onion analogy. I like the artichoke analogy that you really get to the heart of the matter as you take off the different leaves and see how different families have built what's important to them. And once you get a sense of, oh, this is a culturally created value, then you get the ability to say, do I endorse that value? Is going on a vacation more important to me? than driving a fancy car. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I get to come from the place of choice as opposed to from the place of this is a should be how it's done. And my partner also gets to see how that gets created. And I get to see in his life how, you know, their their family stories get created. So that's a really great way we've worked with clients to help unpack those those family myths. Yeah, and it totally builds intimacy. Right? When you actually stop and instead of argue and fight about who's right about what to do with the money and you dive a little bit deeper in terms of, hey, where is this coming from? And, you know, what's behind this? And what were your parents' views on this? And then you get to really connect with each other and you get to find out, wow, well, so what matters to you given all of this? And, you know, what happens for me when I'm hearing that example, Jamie, is, you know, one person can have a sense of, wow, it really makes a lot of sense to put your money into a car that you're going to use for a long time that feels and looks good and you get to get in every single day versus going on a trip that's fleeting, not lasting, and that, you know, they, I can totally see it from a value standpoint, whereas, you know, the other one with the, the vacation, it's like these are memories that are going to last a lifetime. It's the intangibles that never go away, you know, and and neither is right or wrong. And I think that's one thing that people really forget is when we have... Oh, go on. Go ahead. When we have strong values, 
when we have uh, beliefs that really matter to us or when we have unconscious patterns that are driving us, we go forward full steam ahead as if that is right and true and is not. And we want to make sure people know that. Never. It's an opinion. It's yours. It's your assessment. It is not true or false. It is not right or wrong. It's yours. It's what's right for you. And as soon as we start to impose that on somebody else, as opposed to giving them space and grant legitimacy to what's right for them, you know, we're going to create a lot of conflict in our relationship. And when money's on the table, that happens all the time. What were you going to say, Jane? Well, I, of course, you know, great minds think alike. I was going to just point to the exact same thing that you're pointing to is even when the the um, word right or wrong comes into conversation, because there's really, you know, no like right with a capital R thing to do with money. Um, that's all just subjective. So anytime that comes into your mind, I think people can use that as a um, red flag to say, oh, I'm in a position of thinking this is the only way to do it. And then you can really step back and say, okay, well, first of all, how did I get to that position? And might there be a different way to look at it? Maybe my saying, you know, a flashy car that you just show off in isn't the way that somebody else is looking at it in terms of money. They're looking at it in terms of, like you said, a good value. It's going to not depreciate very fast. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of um, safety for, for your money. So there's there's other ways to put it together. And just the idea of right and wrong should be a clue to us that we're, you know, stepping into sticky territory. Yeah. And what's great about what you're saying is, you know, if you say something like, oh, flashy car, and your partner really wants it, they're going to go into defense, right? They're immediately going to go into, hey, you know, because they're feeling your judgment about what it is that matters to them. And if they could take a breath, and in that moment, if he could turn to you and say, whoa, flashy car, when I'm looking at its longevity, what's going on for you around flashy cars? Tell me a little bit about that. And then I could see that diving right in because you shared on the show about what it was like when your, you know, boyfriend from college came and saw your house for the first time and his reaction to that. And I could see that really tapping into, wow, you know, I wanted to keep my access to wealth and money and what I could afford a bit hidden because of the impact it had on me when people made presumptions about me based on what they saw that I had. And if I drove around in a car like that, people would automatically put me in a category and they would see me because of my money and not because of me. And that really matters to me. I mean, you can just feel the flavor of a conversation that goes to that depth. That's an intimate conversation. Well, and that's exactly right. And that's how our partners really get to know us because that really tells something about each of us. And nobody else has walked in your shoes. Um, so, you know, my partner didn't have, doesn't have that same background, but when he gets to know that about me, then he gets to know me at a deeper level, which, you know, reminds me a a question that comes up for me all the time with clients, especially women clients, um, but also with the men is when in the relationship do they tell their partners about the money that they have? Um, that seems to be a huge question. And, um, a very tender one that people worry that all of a sudden the relationship, either they're going to be judged, um, somebody's going to have their feelings hurt that they weren't told earlier, or that the relationship will shift and um, they won't be able to trust that the person really loves them for themselves, but that they might also love them for, you know, what they think it might buy them. Yeah, and I really loved when we talked about this on a previous show, how that could open up a new possibility for somebody who went in who was in that very situation. And it's so much of an opportunity of looking at your own relationship to your money and your wealth and your standards for it and then how you are building the trust of the people that you're with in terms of when and how you talk to them about it. And the core of this conversation has so much to do with trust. Can I trust myself in terms of my money and and can I trust myself in assessing the motivations of the people around me and you know this wow do they love me because of me 
or my money, how many people can relate to that? So if you have a relate if you relate to this, if you want to join in the conversation, feel free. You can call us at 347-215-613. Uh-oh, my eyes eight. Or you can email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. So Jamie, do you want to say more about that? Like um I know that you've had experience especially working with inheritors a lot and in, in building their trust in themselves and their comfort level around what they have so that they can have these conversations with ease. Yeah, it's remarkable. I find it um it's more broad um broad reaching than just the inheritors, Emily. I find that with women in general that that conversation because there's a certain um unbalancing of power that might happen when um, the woman comes into the relationship with a lot of money or the fear that that will be an unbalance of power. Um, That seems to be a really tender and vulnerable moment, whether the money's inherited or whether the money was made um, by the individual herself, that it just feels um, oftentimes that, you know, women really come together around this issue, that they don't know when the right time is. They don't know the criterion by which they can sort of measure. Um, You know, they'd love to have a little bit of like a bullet-pointed list to tick off. You know, X, Y, Z, if those are apparent, then you can trust your partner and reveal this. Um, And it's much more um, nuanced than that. Um, And um, I think that it really comes down to, I love what you said about trust. I think that, that ultimately that's what it comes down to is being able to trust yourself in your own comfort level with your position um, in terms of your own wealth and then also being able to have an open conversation where you um, allow certain conversations to be um, brought up and really explored so that you can see from multiple angles, both yours and your partner's and then the two together, um, what are the the various potential concerns. What have you seen, Em? Well, you know, it's so curious because um, in doing research for the show, I came across a number of articles speaking to research and like the cultural meme around relationships that you just dove right into. And when I say cultural meme, what I'm talking about is, you know, this this I guess you would say if we were a fish swimming in water, we wouldn't even know about that water existed because it would be all around us. And a cultural meme is a lot like that. It's what we're in that determines so much of who we get to be based on uh, all of the norms and and beliefs that are seen as true. Uh, And all collected and glommed together, it it creates what what has been called a meme. And what you just described really is, flying in the face of a cultural meme, which is typically the assumption is uh, men are attracted to and want women that are going to be great sex partners, are going to be really good in bed, are going to be, you know, just fabulous to have sex with. And women want security. They want success partners. They want men that are really showing up, you know, like, you know, we often say a man is not a plan, ladies, you know, like, it's like, no, no, but that's where we tend to go because of the cultural meme. Oh, if I have a man in my life, I have security and he's going to take care of me and he's going to be the financial resource. That's a cultural meme that we have that shaped our reality from, you know, if you anthropologists would say from the very beginning, right? And um, as our culture has shifted and evolved and women are stepping into a place of controlling more of the wealth, having more capacity. Their inheritors now used to be, in a lot of cultures, women never could have ownership of the money. They were considered property. You know, it's an amazing shift, and it has been in a relatively short period of time when you look at the development of humanity. And when you shift in the face of a cultural meme that says otherwise, how do you step into that? There's no rules, there's no guidelines, and you're going against that which has always been. And so when you talked about that tender, vulnerable place, it's very true, and it really is a place of the unknown and uncertainty. And what I love about what we do is we support people in designing their lives, their futures, what it is that they want it to look like, and not like 
means be damned, but more like, hey, let's look at what's shaping your reality and what you want reality to look like and know that you have choice, like you said earlier, Jamie. I love that. And it was funny, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the uh, the uh, Masterpiece Theater show, Downton Abbey. And, you know, it really is a different cultural meme in that situation, you know, that's uh, post-World War yeah yeah and you know her money is completely when she got married completely went her fortune went to her husband and went to his whole estate um and you know it was very different so um and then yeah, the some of the conversations the are also the same that you know here's a woman yeah. that came with with a cult with a fortune and and what does it mean? So, um, I I think the difference now is that uh, you know women worry that um, that's why they're going to be picked or that's what that's what'll be attractive and then they stop trusting that somebody's interested in them for themselves. Well, and look at what they have to do. It's a great example. Look at how this is a phenomenon that shows a total phenomenon and why because it completely captures. The impact of the cultural meme around wealth and money, prestige, uh, you know, social climbing, all of it, and what we've been trained to do and use and manipulate so that we can get what we think we're supposed to have and want. And what does it mean when we go against it? And a really powerful aspect of that show that captures another aspect of this for love and money is when a child in a family grows up and really understands and knows the parents' values and the cultural memes and the stories of what they're supposed to be. And they say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do something different. And in that show, the youngest daughter, Sybil, does this, where she said, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to marry somebody of a lower class and I'm going to be different. Um, it wrecked havoc to the point of, wow, is she going to be disowned? Is the father going to still have a relationship with her? And in many families, that is absolutely done, and a lot of power manipulation is wielded and control is wielded in terms of if you don't do what I want, you're not going to get your inheritance or I'm going to cut you off. I'm, I'm thinking about one family I work with. Um, there's two daughters, two sons, completely treated differently. The daughters both wanted to go off and do some things of their own in different ways that went against family values in college, and they were cut off and they had to support themselves whereas the sons totally towed the party line and took on what they knew that they needed to do, and they were taken care of and fully supported, and there was an idea of, oh, they need to have the money coming towards them because they have to be able to take the girls out and pay for everything. And it was a really interesting dynamic when that came out in the family meeting in terms of talking about these differences. They were all brought up in the same family, but they had very different experiences and how that shaped their realities moving forward as adults. So, you know, if this, if this is meaningful to you, if you want to join in this conversation with us, you can call us at 347-215-6138 and you can email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. We want to know, you know, how is money showing up for you? How is it impacting your relationships? How are your money patterns and uh, stories about money showing up, not just in terms of when you're having conversations about money, but when you get into bed with each other or when you're having to sit down with a parent and make some important life decisions? Oh, we have a question. Jamie, do you want to say something before we jump into a, a question? Hello, let's go straight to the question. Okay. Uh, oh, this is great because it's talking about one of the resources that we have that we, we are going to be talking about as a useful tool, which is the five love languages. And if you're not familiar with that book, it's a really nice treat. It's easy to read, and you learn about different ways that people um, experience and express love. And so somebody has um, called in from Southern California, and this is their question. When my fiancé and I did the love languages assessment, my prominent love language was gifts. This was very true. His reaction to languages, the languages in general, was that gifts is a very materialistic view of love. But it's not a money thing for me. I just feel really loved when someone gives me something that shows they thought of me when they saw something. 
I don't know how to bring up the issue without sounding like I'm insisting his love for me is measured materialistically. Wow, what a great question. Jamie, do you want to start the answer? Well, and I love that because the idea of gift does not have to be attached to money. So frequently in our, you know, going to memes, in our cultural meme, it is about money. But, you know, I think about particularly right now um, as I'm going through, you know, my cancer treatments and so many friends have offered so much love and support. Some of, I had a friend who just wrote a poem about um about my cancer and it was one of the best gifts that I've gotten and it had nothing to do with money. So, you know, I think again, really being able to um, unpack the idea of a gift that it doesn't necessarily have to do with money. It's about giving to the other person. Right. That's so powerful. And when I'm um, reading this person's question, one of the things I get is it's the thoughtfulness that they're out in the world the person's out doing their thing and they saw something, they heard something that got them thinking about this woman that they love and they wanted to demonstrate that by bringing it back to them. And there's other ways that can be expressed without being materially, like you said. Um, you know, a lot of people do it now by uh, songs. Like somebody shared with you that incredible video of uh, a woman with cancer lip syncing, um, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. And you mm-hmm. shared that with me and your your community, and it was such a great gift. I wake up in the morning singing that, and I feel so connected to you, and you're halfway around the world. And I think that's a great example of a gift that can be given that shows that somebody found something, and they immediately thought of you, and they sent it to you. So that's another way that he could demonstrate and show up as giving without it being material, where no money is spent, but where he's showing up as, giving and showing up. So that's what I would recommend is when you bring up the conversation, explore with him the nature of gift giving and what it really means to you in terms of this piece around knowing that you're thinking about me when we're not together, knowing that, you know, you're putting a bit of attention and energy and investment of yourself towards this. Because that's the other piece too. When somebody buys a gift, they're saying, wow, what I have to offer, I want to show up and invest that towards the person that I love. So if he doesn't want to invest his money in that, how can he invest his time, which as far as we're concerned is way more precious than money because we can't, you know, we have 24 hours in a day. How are we going to use it? So if he invested his time in surprising you when you came home with a thoughtful meal that he put a lot of attention in and maybe there's some candles and um, your favorite chocolate, something that he knows that you love but that is also going to feed you so that there's a way in which it's not a material thing, that's huge. And it's a huge, it's a huge gift of his time and investment towards you. So you can see, hey, does that land for me? I think absolutely. And I loved your idea about um, pointing out examples. I think that's a great way to have a conversation is really to um, expand and let your partner know the examples of gifts potentially that have nothing to do with money that you really love and appreciate, either that you've given or somebody's given you, so that you're really just bringing into the room the idea of, you know, expanding what a gift is. Yeah. And if you're somebody who has a value that, you know, you want something that's given to you that's lasting, that's going to be there every day that you get to see and use, then you can say, you know, gifts of practical nature are wonderful for that because I'm going to be using it every day and I'll be thinking of you, and I'll see that you're thinking of me. So I'm thinking about a boyfriend of mine, knew I traveled all the time, and he knew I loved the color purple. And he found this wonderful little brush that folded in on itself, and its handle folded in on itself, and the handle had a mirror, and then it was a brush. And so it was very tiny and compact, and it was my favorite color, and he knew that I could use it when I was traveling really effectively. So it was thoughtful on so many levels. I mean, it did not cost him a lot of money at all, and it took care of my needs on every level. And so every time I traveled, it was like he was with me in my little travel case, and um, I had really enjoyed every time I would pull it out, thinking of him and how thoughtful he was that he got that for me and even the color that I love. So there's ways in which you can really explore the conversation around gifts 
that make it so both of you can have a lot of fun and joy around it. And make sure you know I, you know it's quality, not quantity. Sorry, I love what you're in. saying because I think sometimes even the quantity sometimes. With money, you can receive a very generous gift, and it's it's really a mess because um, you know it, it it either someone tried and they just didn't quite get the right thing, or it really sometimes people try to bring the quantity in in place of the quality in terms of really thinking through and being thoughtful. Um, and I think that can be challenging too when people, you know, I've had clients before who received very expensive jewelry, um, but it was maybe something they'd never wear. Um, and then having that kind of sticky conversation, you know, or I, I had a client the other day who got boots from her husband, um, and she really wanted a different pair of boots than the ones he got. Um, and the ones he got were ones that her daughter really wanted. So it even created a little bit of, of a problem because the daughter had wanted those. Um, and oh. she didn't feel completely free to be able to talk about, you know, what she really wanted. Um, and it was a great fodder for conversation about what happens when a gift misses. Yeah, that's really, really true. And, you know, going back to this question, um, you know, somebody wants a pair of boots. They know they want it. You know, if if you go with you know, the man that you love says, hey, I want to give you my time and I want to go with you to help you pick out the boots that you love and then I want to get them for you because I know you wear them. That's the gift I want to give you. And then you're part of that experience. That's also really powerful too. And you can you can open up that conversation about, oh, you know, I thought that you wanted them. I thought that that's it. You know, so how do how do we make sure that what I get you is what you really want? And, you know, Jamie, the other thing I want to touch in on is the opposite side of this coin. Because I know I've experienced this with clients for sure, which is um, there's another value system here. And her boyfriend may be speaking into this without necessarily um, knowing it. And it's great to dive a little bit deeper in terms of what does he mean by materialistic? And for some people, if they grew up with a parent whose love language was giving gifts, and they only showed their love by giving. Oftentimes what will happen is the child will experience, oh, um, love is equated to money, and it's all about the material thing, and it becomes very confusing. And I'm thinking about a couple that I work with where uh, they're very non-materialistic, very frugal, really thoughtful about their money, and his mother's love language is gift-giving, and he rejects it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And he's missing the fact that that's his mother's way of expressing her love to him. And uh, the wife, the the daughter-in-law, wishes that she had a closer relationship with her mother-in-law. And when she got it, that every time her mother-in-law gives her um, a sweater or um, a computer or she just gives her gifts, that that's her mother-in-law's way of reaching out and saying, I love you and I want to be closer to you. And there's just different ways of interfacing around that. And so we can have reactivity to gift giving in terms of how our parents may have used it or maybe they used it to uh, avoid, you know, like if you if you only wanted your father's attention and instead he comes home and he's away from on trips all the time and he comes back and he gives you some gift you bought on the way, you tend to have disdain for the gift, not like it, not want it, and because you want him. And then you also come to this place of expecting it and maybe um, – feeling like if he doesn't bring you a gift, then he doesn't love you. So it can get very confusing. And I think, again, this conversation of unpacking our own personal meaning to things um, is so important because sometimes all of this is happening unconsciously for us. And we have no idea even, you know, if we were the child who grew up with a father who is, you know, off working all the time, that our disdain for gifts is tied to that event until we realize that that's at play we can't even shift it so you know more and more i i see the value for clients of really being able to unpack these their own means yes yeah and that's where the intimacy lies i couldn't imagine a greater gift for that couple is if she could sit down and say you know because on one side she's hurt and wishes that he would be more giving and generous 
and give her gifts because that's how she would feel loved. And when he comes forward with a strong judgment about that, it's an invitation towards getting closer. And if her response is to say, whoa, materialism, tell me more about that, that's obviously a really important thing to you. What is, what's there? And just diving a little bit deeper into that and unpacking that, like you said, there's some real gems and gifts in that for both of them. And then if he can then turn and then she could say, well, are you interested in learning more about what's going on for me around this and maybe how we might be able to explore gift-giving in a way that really works within your values as well. He'll be much more receptive and open to it. He won't need to defend his position if you really understand his position. It's a very different way of relating, and it's very effective. And if you have a question about how you want to relate to something with somebody you love in terms of money and love and how they're intertwined, feel free to call us at 347-215-6138. Again, 347-215-6138. Or you can email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. Jamie, do you want to go dive into the next aspect of this? Which one should we pick, Emily? You want to go for the juicy uh, prenup? Yeah, why not? I knew you did. <laughs> one of my favorites, so, yeah. Yes, it's something we experience with our clients all the time, you know. And here, again, is a is a time when actually what, you know, especially with inheritors, when what your parents request, you know, may have to be listened to. So if you're in the position of inheriting money and part of the request from your family or the condition is that there's a prenup involved, then, uh, you know, how do you go into that relationship and and ask for that with with grace and not have it come to be um, a power struggle between you or, um, you know, really set up for, for issues, like you said, from what happens in the kitchen to what happens in the bedroom. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen so often in client couples that we've worked with is that how this conversation around the prenup goes has a lot in terms of the foundation that is the platform that the relationship is launched from. And if you uh, manage it in a way that's a bit, I would say, ungraceful, uh, it can be a little bit of a crack in your foundation. And you may be extraordinarily loving and supportive and really wonderful with each other. And when money comes up, there will be certain niggling things. And listeners are going to notice this when I talk about it. If they are experiencing this, where there will be side comments, there will be eyes rolling, there will be a different uh, tone and mood when certain things come up around, oh, well, it's your money. Oh, well, it's your house. It's not really mine. Or, you know, there will be these undercurrents. And uh, sarcasm will show up. Or uh, maybe there will be a bit of coldness. Something is going to shift, and you'll feel it in your bodies. You know, we talk a lot about the body and the somatics of all of these experiences. And so in a couple, you know, you'll be going along great, everything will be fine, and then when something comes up around money, you'll either avoid the conversation because it's uncomfortable or you know when you're going to have it that it's not going to go well or you tend to have it and it's the same conversation again and again and your body feels contracted. You have a tightness. You don't breathe as deeply. You feel more defended, and you're already in this position of conflict before you even go into the conversation. And so much can be rectified around that if you're in the midst of that, and so much can be done proactively if you're in the midst of, wow, I need to have this conversation so that you can make it so that those conversations can be quite um harmonious and graceful and loving in the future as opposed to more combative and conflictual. And it's really an opportunity for for couples to come together and recognize because when you come into um, a relationship, then the the status of inheritor really often shifts from just being the person in the family to both of you. Like you said in your your. Um, original example of the couple that you're working with in Canada um, because both both people in the couple get to benefit from the money. So it's like, how are you going to take on this new role as a couple, both your new role and status as um, 
getting married and then also this request from a different generation that um, there's something in writing. And instead of being in opposition to one another, it's often an opportunity to come together as a team and to have a conversation with that other generation about how you want to um, invite the money into your life and how you want to work with it. Yeah, and there's so much that you can do as a couple around it. And it's for the sake of what we want to have together and for the sake of our values and what matters to us, how do we want to design our future together given this incredible boon that's been given to us through something else or given to us through what each of us has brought to this relationship? You know, one of the things that happens is that when one person's coming to a relationship with assets and the other's coming to the relationship with a lot of debt, it's a really smart thing to do in terms of, well, how do we want to look at the, the future we want to create together and um, how we are mutually supportive of each other and our individual goals and our goals as a couple. And it's very important to bring these to the, to the conversation sooner rather than later and look at what it is that you're going to mingle, what is it you're going to share together, and what is it you're going to keep separate. And whatever you decide, make sure that you really hold true to that. Because otherwise, um, a lot of mischief can be created in your relationship. It's and, so remarkable you know, to me. Mm-hmm. No, go. I was just saying how many couples really don't have, again, going back to the whole conversation, you might have conversations you know, with your partner about sex, but these conversations, these foundational conversations about money are so often missing. And um, it really, you know, in some ways, having to do a prenup and having to have that conversation is really an opportunity if you choose to look at it that way to set up these foundational questions about, um, like you said, for the sake of what and um, how are we really setting up our relationship as a couple towards the money? Yeah, it's so interesting because when you think about it, a couple these days very quickly needs to have the safe sex conversation. And if you're not, definitely have it oh, my gosh, so let's be really clear that before you, you know, become sexually intimate with somebody, you want to find out what you may be exposing yourself to. And while it's a given, you know, sometimes people, you know, get caught up in the moment or they use alcohol or drugs as a reason that they didn't, and, boy, can that wreak havoc in your life. And we don't want to ignore that, and it's something that everybody can say, oh, yeah, so important. I mean, this is something that will impact the rest of my life. If I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not taking care of the relationship by having that conversation. And if you're not having the safe sex conversation, if you're not having, you know, like really, can I trust you that what you're saying is true and valid? Then, you know, making sure you're protected and making sure that uh, the right protection is used so that you are protected um, until you really, really know who this person is and what you're getting exposed to, like, you know, let me see your test results, um, is a very wise thing to do. And nobody would question that. Whether or not we do it or not is a different story. And it's the same archetypal patterns, the innocent, the fool, that get us in trouble in, you know, exposing ourselves in ways that we don't necessarily ever really think that we would do um, for the sake of love. The same can hold true for money. Right? If the innocent and fool are driving your, your life and those are the two that are front and center, the likelihood of you getting engaged and involved and with somebody without knowing all the details of their bank accounts, their debt, their um, the details of their, their financial life, and you're loaning them money and you're supporting them, you know, oh, can you spot me 20? Can you, I, I forgot my wallet. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen that can give you all kinds of indication and clues that, well, I need to dive a little bit deeper here before I would let them know about just what my resources are. Or I need to see what this person's motivations are given the fact that they, they may already know how much my background is because, you know, maybe in the past it used to be a flashy car, but now all somebody has to do is know your name. They can go online and find out your net worth almost. I mean, it's just quite astonishing what people can find out about you. So it's how do you take care and find out about that person too? and not just fall into an innocent fool place and not know all the facts. So that's the other side of it. And the war- it takes a warrior to do the, the money conversation. I think that's great. You know, if we want to really be the uh, um, Dr. Ruths of, of radio around the conversation around money, I think that's so important what you're suggesting, Emily, is that 
it's part of our um, relation, relationship fitness is to, you know, just as we would go and have certain tests done before we start being sexually active, it's also about um, really getting to know your partner um, around certain issues around money because they're, they're powerful forces in our relationships. And it's great yep. modeling then when we have children. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I know that there's a huge percentage of couples listening to this or, you know, women listening to this that are nodding their heads in terms of, wow, I wish I'd known what I know now. Um, And I wish that we'd had these conversations in terms of, you know, how deeply and involved and engaged people have gotten in relationship without knowing, you know, what it is that they're getting involved into in terms of debt, in terms of spending, in terms of um, habitual patterns related to money that, really are not in sync with each other. And there's lots you can do to work with that, just like you can with the love languages, um, to make sure that both people's needs, both people's desires and wants around how to move with money can be met in a way that um, furthers and augments your relationship and doesn't continue to cause conflict and discord between the two of you. Because what happens is we end up avoiding the conversations that cause us discomfort and they're the very conversations we need to be having. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really is, again, the opportunity to start a relationship in a different way. And I'm thinking, you know, if if, if you're able to, again, look at the stories that help build each of your um, relationships with money, then, first of all, like you said, the intimacy just increases because you're revealing parts of yourself, first of all, to yourself, because sometimes we're reacting unconsciously um, to parts of our lives that we haven't really um, explored, and then also to your partner. And those primary relationship with, relationships with money and our parents are really our foundation. And when we're able to look at them and say, oh, now I see them from an outside perspective, first of all, that gives us the ability to shift and move in a different way. It's not, as you said earlier, Emily, the water we're swimming in, but it becomes a choice point, and it allows our partner to know us in a different way. And it really sets up the framework for thinking as um, as partners in terms of how do you want to go into the next generation? How do you, what are the cultural memes in our family around money, around love, around relationships and giving that we want to set up for our children. Oh, great. And Jamie, it looks like we have a caller from Washington who has a question for us. Great. Hi, welcome Hi. to the show. Yeah. Um, I had a girlfriend whose family um, and herself had more, I guess, more free income than I did. And she always wanted to shower me with gifts. So did her family. I remember I, one time I needed a I, I uh, needed some transportation, so they offered to buy me a car. And it just I was always afraid of feeling like I owed them something. I didn't want that debt, but she couldn't understand why it was that I didn't want her to buy me things when she could. Um, do you have any advice about that or? Wow, that's a great question, and it speaks so strongly to exactly the dynamic that we're talking about. Um, So when we receive a gift that we know that we can never possibly return back in kind, it can create a power differential in the relationship. And it sounds like your friendship with her was really important, and you wanted to keep that on par with each other. That um, where the two of you were equals. And if you received a significant gift that you'd never be able to return um, in kind, then there can be a sense of, wow, I'm now, we're not on par. I'm, I'm now um, like obligated or beholden. And it does, it can set up dynamics that are very unconscious and um, can really um, hurt relationships even when it was with the best of intentions. So, uh, Jamie, do you want to say more about that? I love that perspective, and I think the the other perspective, too, is that um, the best relationships and the best friendships are really built on complementary relationships, that you don't bring the same thing to the relationship. You bring different things, Um, and when um, 
something comes easy for you, you want to be generous with it. So sometimes, you know, the money is an easy thing to give and it, it doesn't have the same valence that it might have for somebody else. So it would be much more difficult. Um, but at the same time, what you bring to the relationship, um, you know, for example, support or friendship or an ear to listen might not be um, as easy for that person. And that's tremendously um, appreciated and valued. So, you know, I think everybody brings different things to the relationship. Again, it seems like this is the perfect question where if you were able to back up with your friend and say to her, um, you know, here are my concerns and here's from my perspective how it looks. Um, and she was able to say, well, here's how I see it. Then you guys would have a deeper place to know each other and might be able to come to a place where you both feel comfortable that, you know, maybe some of the gifts gifts are accepted and maybe she offers a little bit less, that you move towards the center with each other. But it really comes from a place of openly having a conversation. Yeah, and it speaks so strongly about, wow, how do I show and express my love? And, you know, if I have this abundance and this bounty in my life, and it's very easy for me, and it doesn't take much to do this, and it's a way that I can make your life easier, you know, would you allow me to do that? And, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm thinking about, um, there's so many ways that we exchange and give and receive with each other in a, in, the, in the space of love. And like you were saying, Jamie, like, you know, there's, there could totally be receptivity around, wow, I so appreciate and love that I now have a vehicle that I can drive all the time. And, uh, you know, I would love to also make sure that you know if you, you know, if if I'm around town and I'm running errands and, you know, I can make your life a little bit easier and pick up something for you, I would love to do that. And um, and yet at the same time, you know, also know that being able to say, no, oh, I can't do that today is okay and that, and I want to make sure that's okay with you. And I, I may feel a little bit of obligated because, you know, you've given me the car that I'll feel like I have to get you something if you ask. And I want to just talk about that. And that is such an amazingly rich place to go in terms of greater intimacy and love with each other. And what a beautiful thing to That's have a friend. That's what really builds relationships, do those yeah. kind of open conversations. Definitely. So um, as we come to the part where we're going to start to close this conversation, we wanted to just remind everybody that tomorrow is uh, UNESCO and when UNESCO is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And it's their World Radio Day, February 13th. And it's all about the power of radio in our lives. And Sylvia Global Radio is partnering with them. And we're going to have shows running all day. And we're going to definitely make sure people know how important radio is and to definitely utilize it to empower and to further our understanding of the world, understanding of each other, understanding of our, ourselves. And uh, our show today has been dedicated to love um, in honor of this week being Valentine's Week here in the States, and it's a day that's dedicated to love. And love is so much more than just uh, romantic love between two partners. It has so much to do with how we express um, our love of humanity, our love of ourselves, and so much of the show and well, psychology hours about how to strengthen that for ourselves, for individuals, and to make it so that we can really come from that place in all of our interactions. So, Jamie, do you want to um, launch us with the evocative questions? Absolutely. And I just want to tell you how much I love you and I love being your partner and your uh, your co-host. So, um, Oh, right back at you. Thanks. So our evocative question for today is, how do you see your money types interplaying with your love relationships? And our inspiring invitation, look and see how money can be used as an empowering tool in your love life. Consider how you might express your love for someone in your life in ways that are not associated with money. What might you do? So again, we talked about this with with the question earlier. And finally, our useful tools. Go ahead. No, the useful tool, what the, the five love languages, um, and then also for love and money by Roy Williams. 
Um, these are two books that can be really helpful. The, the Love and Money is great for anybody who's got family wealth and is looking at, wow, how do I have this not have a negative impact on the lives of the people I love? And The Love Languages is a great book for anybody who wants to really understand your partner more and open up conversations about how do you give love, how do you experience it being given to you. So thanks so much for listening, and we hope that you have a love-filled day and where this show has supported you in having even more love and intimacy in your life. Take care. Thanks, Jamie. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.